Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on MovieHouseMemories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. You're listening to Lunchtime Movie Review from LunchtimeMovieReview.com. And we are the children of the 80s. Welcome back to LTMR Hindsight, where we take a more in-depth look at something to do with films from the 1980s. This time, in celebration of our James Bond week, we're going to look back at some of the Bond themes. In fact, all the Bond themes from all the films going back to 1962 until present, including Skyfall. Uh, I am Patrick, and with me this week is... Sancho. Pancho. I'm Jay. Oh, not another Hispanic. That's good. So... (laughs) And, uh, well, let's get started with uh, kind of what this came out of. Uh, actually, I started reading an article about a month ago on DarkHorizons.com, which is one of the websites that we look at quite often at LTMR. And uh, Garth Franklin, uh, one of their contributors there, wrote a list of the 22 Bond themes, not including Skyfall, and ranked them from what he considered best to worst. And that made me think of... The individuals that were on our show, and I know some of them like music, and how we would rank those films. So we thought we'd t- take a look back at them and, and include Skyfall, because if you're going to do it, you want to include them all. So, right. but and since, like most lists on the internet, his is completely wrong. <laughs> that, that's true. Apparently, Garth Franklin, big Shirley Bassey fan. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Huge Shirley Bassey. Well, I guess there's there's got to be one in every crowd, and well, she has her fan. No. He likes he likes Shirley Bassey and he loves show tunes. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I when we get to the, the his worst film, I think there's probably going to be a unanimous decision on that one. So, but let's start with Skyfall. It's not on uh, the Dark Horizons list, and it's the most recent release from Adele. Uh, it's written by Adele and Paul Epworth. Uh, it was actually released October fifth, two thousand twelve, on the Global James Bond Day. Um, and although it's probably still in the charts, it's already. Uh, the U.S. Billboard charts, it's already reached the level of number eight. And on the U.K. singles charts, it's already reached the level of two. Let's start with Sancho. Sancho, where would you put this out of the 23 Bond films, and why? Uh, I would put it in probably in the final five, just because I think it's really flat. And, I mean, if you're a fan of Adele, then you're going to like it. But it's just kind of monotone and... Uh, I believe it's spelled S-K-Y-F-A-W, Skyfall, <laughs> uh, and it's it's just lame. What about you, Poncho? Uh, I'm in the same boat here. I'm going to give you an actual hard number on it, but it's it's down towards the bottom. Uh, I listened to it a few times again, and it's kind of unfair, you know, when you've been listening to all these other songs for years and years, uh, It's it's uh, you're going to be harsher on a new song. But <clears throat> I had the same problem. That's, that Sancho did, which is it's a it's a really flat song. There's no real peaks or valleys to it. It doesn't grab your attention um, like some of the best ones do. It, they're going back to the whole ballad thing, and, and they haven't done that for a while. And, and I, I don't really like the ballads as much as I like the, the more uh, straight-ahead, kick-ass songs. Anyway, I put it at 16. Jay? 
Well, you guys are wrong. Ethically wrong. <laughs> um, I've ranked this uh, song as number five, the fifth best Bond song there is to date. It is. Um, you know, it's classic James Bond. If you look at the song structure and the lyrics, it's very typical of the lyrics of all the other uh, Bond songs. And I think Adele really pulls it off. She's got a good voice to do Bond songs. It's not the greatest. And they do kind of force the title into it, but I guess Skyfall uh, is a little bit better to force in than some of the other titles that I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a moment. But, um, you know, as far as Bond songs go, um, if it comes on the radio, I'm not going to be t reaching for the dial and trying to turn it immediately. It's not a bad song. Well, I have to agree more with Poncho and Sancho. Not as harshly as Sancho says, but kind of with Poncho. I have it at number 13. It's in the bottom half, but it's in the top of the bottom half. I like that I like that they kind of tried to take it back to the epic kind of sounding 60s and 70s Bond themes, um, especially some of the 60s sound. But this this suffers what I, I know I'm going to be really repetitive when we go through this list, is I really dislike the Bond themes when they take a a title of a film and just try to shoehorn it into some fucking way into a song <laughs> that makes no sense whatsoever just so they can get the title of the songs. I think some of the best one, Bond songs are the ones that it they just they don't try to do that. They just write a good song and just make it the theme song for the film. But once again with Skyfall, they kind of just okay, we got to get the title in the in the song and there you go and I don't really have a problem with her voice. Uh, I don't even have a problem with the orchestration. I just my problem is kind of the lyrics there. So it, it's a, it's a Bob Seger chemistry. If you say the, the the title of the song over and over and over, <laughs> rock and roll never forgets. <laughs> well, now let's get into the Dark Horizons list. They didn't rank uh, Skyfall, so we don't know where uh, Garth Franklin would have put that. But he did start with his number twenty-two, the bottom of his list, with Die Another Day. By Madonna, um, Pancho. Why don't you start this one off? Where did you have this? I uh, I agree with him. Uh, I deliberately avoided looking at his list. I wanted to just kind of go at it cold, but uh, but we share that. I think that sucks, and the main reason why I think it deserves it is because uh, for the line, uh, Sigmund Freud analyzed this. I think that's <laughs> that's that's a sin you cannot forgive. <laughs> Jay, where did you have it? I have it at the uh, bottom of the list. Not only is this the worst Bond song ever, this is one of the worst songs in the history of songs. <laughs> um, before we uh, started recording, um, someone hit upon that this is like the only auto-tuned Bond song. And auto-tune is very noticeable when you know what you're listening to. And it, it just distracts the listener from the song um, and the opening credits. And it... Auto is kind of a signature of a no talent ass clown, which is what Madonna is all about nowadays. <laughs> well, and it's also it was also very trendy at the time, and it's unfortunate that she used a trend because most of the Bond songs, aside from like maybe um, like the Man with the Golden Gun, you can't really kind of place them in time. I mean, the original early '60s stuff was you know using a lot of horn sections and string arrangements and stuff, very kind of classic type of pieces. But then Madonna kind of had to. Shit it up with an auto tuner. Uh, let me just go back for a second. You know, I think that what makes these songs a lot of times, that were really kind of what puts them into your, you know, the iconic frame is is the the introduction of the movie. You know, like um, Diamonds Are Forever. I remember seeing that as a kid, and that that really rocked my world. You know, with those 
hot African women with paint all over them and stuff, and then turning into skulls. I mean, everybody loves that. But I think the only th thing that, back to Skyfall, that could win me over is if we had, like, a nude silhouette of Adele floating <laughs> weightlessly doing, like, loop-de-loop, I would probably change it and maybe bump it up a little bit. <laughs> Similar to uh, Sheena Easton and For Your Eyes Only, right? Yeah, I mean, that song sucks. But because it was Sheena Easton, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe. I'll, I'll kick it up a little more. Only if it's pregnant Adele. Floating. <laughs> oh. So where did you ultimately put Die Another Day, uh, Sancho? I think it's a total piece of shit. I put it last. Okay. It, and, and it's bad if you get beat out by Rita Coolidge all-time high. <laughs> that, that is an all-time low. Well, uh, that would be unanimous from all four of us. Then I had that at the absolute bottom of my list. I forgot to give some of the background information on that one. Uh, that was uh, obviously performed by Madonna, written by Madonna and Marwais Amadadze, uh, released on October 22nd, 2002. Number eight on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and number three on the U.K. Singles Chart and went double platinum. Uh, I agree with everything was said. It's, it's just crap. And the auto-tune is just annoying and... I remember I love the Pierce Brosnan films, but he basically hit the bed with that film. And, <laughs> and it started with that song. Uh, opening credits was great, and then it came to that song, and after that it was over for me. So, All right, going to number 21 on Dark Horizons list, they have Another Way to Die from uh, Quantum Assault, Jack White and Alicia Keys. That was released on September 30th, 2008, written by Jack White, reached number 81 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and number 9 on the U.K. Singles Charts. Uh, Jay, I believe you're up. Where did you have this one? I got this at number 4. So um, this uh, proves again that Dark Horizons is an epic fail. Um, it's a decent rock song. You know, if I hear it on the radio, which, based upon the Billboard numbers, we never, ever will again. But, you know, it's not a bad song. Um, it's upbeat, and it kind of gets you in the mood for a good action movie, which is what Quantum of Solace tried to be. Yeah, it's not a bad song. What about you, uh, Sancho? Yeah, Jay, your stock just went up with me, man. After that first one, I was a little worried. But yeah, I I'm with you on that. I put it at uh, number nine. Number nine? Because, wow. Yeah, as, uh, I like it uh, for for the same reasons, but uh, I think it's a, it's a good song just in general. I I'm a Jack White fan. But uh, I, as Patrick would say, I like that he went so far off the reservation with this one that, he, you know, Jack White's just kind of a weird guy. He just kind of did his own thing, made his own thing, but it was still, you know, cool enough to be Bond. Poncho. I had it at 15, so not at the bottom uh, like the like the Dark Horizons guy did. I, I also liked it for the reasons that were said. I thought it worked well in the, uh, in the film, and I liked that it just kind of... Uh, it was a little bit harder edge, and uh, I don't know. It just it, it works for me. I've listened to it a lot. Well, um, much like uh, Poncho there, I had it at number 14. I had it kind of in the middle there. Uh, I agree with a lot of things that was said here that I, I like that. They didn't try, I really appreciated the fact that they didn't try to shoehorn Quantum of Solace into that song somehow. <laughs> um, and I, I like... with Quantum. <laughs> yeah, so what rhymes with Solace now? <laughs> I, I like Jack White as well. Um, I, I liked it when I heard about the song. I, I was interested in the fact that it was the first duet, Jack White and Alicia Keys. I thought, oh, it's an interesting combination. What ultimately I dislike about the song is when they get to the the main chorus part. Is they seem to be screaming at each other, and that always kind of bug. It starts to bug me. When it first came out, I, I liked it for a while. And as more times I listened to it, I liked it less. But 
it's not the worst song out there. It's not the best song out there, but it, it it's in the middle of the pack. So I put it at number 14. Um, next one on Dark Horizons, uh, number 20, Tomorrow Never Dies with Sheryl Crow. And I think we're back to Sancho now, correct? Yeah. Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, I that was just like a C- minus to me. I didn't mark it as low. I put it at 15. I thought it was a little more worthy than some other ones that, uh, you know, I will definitely let go behind the curtain in a bit. But uh, I didn't think it was all that bad. Uh, Poncho? I had it at uh, 22, near the bottom, uh, just above the Madonna bed shitting. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's just such a non-entity, you know? I mean, it, 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 Cheryl Crow just sort of monotoned her way through the whole thing, and it's just boring. It's boring as hell. Jay? I got it a little bit higher than you guys. I got a number six on my list. A little bit? Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the reason why. Yeah, okay, they don't all have to be top ten, Jay. Do you understand that? <laughs> there's, all, there's 23 of them. Jay just shit the better. <laughs> uh, but no, it's... Um, you know, I'm not a big Cheryl Crow fan, but I think uh, she did a decent job with trying to make a good Bond song. It was a good combination of... Uh, you know, the, the type of rock that she does with the um, lounge singer type uh, feel you get with uh, classic James Bond. And I thought it was uh, kind of a good amalgamation of the two. Uh, not great uh, by any means, but um, wasn't too bad. I have to kind of agree with Poncho and Sancho. I have it at number 18. Um, and I actually liked Cheryl Crow in the late 90s, early on in her career. And I was kind of interested when she was doing this and when she did this song. But it just was kind of boring. She just kind of worked her way through it. That It starts off pretty interesting, but then it's just kind of monotone the entire song. And I appreciate what they're trying to do is kind of have that sultry lounge singer feel. But it just it didn't play well for me. So 18 is where I had it fall. I think people get intimidated by this music. You see sometimes these artists that come in and try to do a Bond song, and it's so iconic that it, it sounds like Sheryl Crow was intimidated by the material. forgot. Uh, it was released in uh, November of 1997, written by Sheryl Crow. Mitchell Fromm uh, got to number 12 on the U.K. singles chart. I found no information on the U.S. singles chart, so I don't think it charted at all. I think Mitchell Fromm is Squeaky Fromm's brother. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, number 19 on Dark Horizons, they have License to Kill by Gladys Knight without the pips. Um, <laughs> that was released in uh, the summer of 1989, written by Naranda, Michael Walden, Jeffrey Cohen, and Walter Afanasif. Oh, I don't know what the hell. Charted at number six on the UK singles chart and charted at number 18 on the US adult contemporary chart. I really had to reach research to find a chart it, it showed up on and obviously sung by Gladys Knight. Uh, I think this is Poncho's turn. Where do you have License to Kill? I have it at uh, 13. I do give it credit for uh, actually managing to put the title in and not make it completely ridiculous. <laughs> Because it is a pretty ridiculous title to try to make a song with. But I also thought uh, it just it had a good refrain, and Gladys Knight, I think, pulled it off. It's middle of the middle of the pack. Jay? I have it at 19. Um, I'm sorry, was that 19? 19. Oh, wow, not in the top 10. Really? Not in the top 10, no. That's a first. <laughs> it is. Well, except for the Madonna song. But, yeah, well, that's, that's uh, a given. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it... it 
ranked number 19 because this is a uh, 60s jazz updated to 80s music. It's just not a good song. <laughs> I, yeah, it was it was pretty homogenous. I, I'll give you that. Uh, I have it at number 16, um, obviously in the bottom third of my list. I actually like the song. I just don't like the singer. I, I, I agree with Poncho. I think they did a good job of shoehorning that title in there and not in a way that seems so awkward. I, I like the orchestration. I like the music. I just didn't like Gladys Knight singing it, and that's why I knocked it down quite a bit and put it down to the number 16. So maybe if she'd had the pips, it would have been better. I don't know. It could have been. Lane Wraith. Probably. Mm. <laughs> so, all right. Sancho went, Sancho went with a 13 on this one. Oh, I I'm sorry, Sancho. I, 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 I almost skipped you there. Where's Sancho? You had it number 13? Yeah. And Pancho, you had it at 13 too, correct? Yes. No collaboration. No other people's work. No. <laughs> We're big Pip fans. And, so, uh, <laughs> had it had there been the Pips, it probably would have gone to eleven. But we went with a consistent thirteen. I, I think it's a pretty good tune. I, yeah, like I like you guys said, I'm not a super big Gladys Knight fan, but I, I thought she she did a pretty good job of it. Kind of smoothed it out a little bit. That's it. Okay. Uh, on the Dark Horizons, number eighteen, "The Man with the Golden Gun" by Lulu. Who? Man with a Golden Gun, sung by Lulu, written by John Barry and Don Black, released in 1974, did not chart anywhere. So, Poncho, you want to start with this one? Sorry, Sancho, do you want to start with this one? Yeah, uh, Lulu was the one who sang uh, To Sir With Love, I believe. Anyway, I originally had put The Man with the Golden Gun down much further because it was really uh, lame. But then the more I listened to it, I kicked it up to 16 uh, because it reminded me of like a 1970s uh, TV show, Sid and Marty Croft style, first thing in the morning. I like the cheese ball guitar, the kind of late uh, late 1979 Elvis kind of twangy guitar in the back. So I went 16. All right, Poncho. I gave it an 18. I uh, I also appreciated those um, 1960s hangover of the early 70s sounds that that uh, uh, Sancho was talking about. But it, it has the, the dumbest lyrics this side of Madonna, so I, it's it's near the bottom. Jay, while I'll probably get uh, crap for it, it's not my number one song. It is my number nine song. Um, <laughs> Jesus guys, <laughs> the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, for a list of only twenty three songs, it's middle of the pack when you really think about it. But. Yeah. And the song is kind of middle of the pack. It has a bit of a catchy hook, and that's pretty much all I really remember about the songs okay. and preparing for the list. So. Yeah, you just assured that I'm never going to ride in your car and listen to the music that you have in the radio. <laughs> it was pretty heavy lyrical content. I'm sure they, she was talking about a man with a golden gun. <laughs> number nine, wow. Well, I had it number 22, second only to... Madonna for worst song, and this is exactly yeah. the kind of song that I talk about when you try to shoehorn the f***ing title of the movie into the lyrics of the song. And and this one's worse in the fact that her lyrics are, hey, I'm going to tell you the fucking story of the movie as best I can. So in case you don't get the details there, just remember the song here at the beginning and at the end of the film. It will remind you. So... Yeah, number 22 is where I had that. Number 9, oh my god, that one shocked me. Dr. Shrinker. So. <laughs> Marshall, Will, and Holly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to Dark Horizons. They have 
Number 17, The Living Daylights. Uh, that was sung by AHA and came out in 1987, written by Paul Wakatur Savoy and John Barry, charted on the UK singles charts, number five, no charts in the US, um, and also sung by obviously AHA. Uh, this one would be going to Poncho. Where do you have AHA? Or The Living Daylights? <laughs> AHA obviously is down there. AHA in general. Much higher, but uh, the Living Daylights, awful. Uh, number twenty. Number twenty. Yeah. What was the What was the problem with this one? You know, honestly, i I can I could barely even remember the song before I played it for myself again. It's just it's a it's a kind of a nothing song. It just didn't do it for me. Jay, where do you got it? It's no Duran Duran. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Uh, I'm going to surprise some people. I have this as number fifteen. Wow. Uh, yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. It's not a good band to begin with, so kind of a weird pick, I guess. 80s music in general just was a bad time for music. Yeah, it was this bad 80s pop, and um, they just should have played uh, Take On Me for the opening credits, and it would have been much better. <laughs> uh, Sancho. Uh, I gave it a 17. It had a good beat, good dance to it, and I think, yeah, kind of to what Jay says, that you can tell historically as a timepiece where this was at. So they said, hey, AHA's really big right now. Let's get them to do it. And it sucked. I have a number 12, uh, right dead set in the middle. It, I, it, the song doesn't bother me that much. I, more the band bothers me. It was interesting that even the band didn't like this version of the song and re-recorded it for one of their albums. And I actually think that version sucks more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think they did a better job. Uh, for the soundtrack than they did uh, on their individual album, which probably is a credit to John Barry since he was probably involved in writing it and uh, which worked better for the film. But yeah, it's it, I agree. It's kind of 80s pop. It's not even good 80s pop um, like the Duran Duran song. So right there in the middle. Uh, number 16 on Dark Horizons, he puts All Time High by Rita Coolidge, which was from the movie Octopussy. Uh, written by John Barry and Tim Rice, who did a lot of the the uh, Disney films, surprisingly. Released in 1983, number 36 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, and number 75 on the U.K. Singles Chart. Did not chart well on the U.K. Singles Chart, although most of the other films do. So uh, this one would be Jay. Where do you have this one? This is number 20. This is an awful, awful song. It, uh, it sounds like the uh, song to the opening credits of a bad 80s sitcom. Um, you can definitely tell what time period this move, this song came from. Man, it's just, it's just an awful song. Awful. Sancho. I agree. Uh, I'm only one off of Jay on this one. I'm 21 with all-time low, uh, all-time high. <laughs> and uh, this is what's odd to me because I remember even as a kid listening to this thinking... Man, Rita Coolidge jumped the shark like 10 years before this was out there. So evidently somebody knew her or she knew somebody and needed a gig, and they put out this piece of fecal metal. 21. Poncho. I gave it a 19. It, it's a piece of garbage. <laughs> I have it in my bottom half, but I don't have it as low as you guys do. I have it in number four, or excuse me, number 15. It, it doesn't bother me. I appreciate for the fact that I remember when this movie was coming out, 
And I'm going, how the hell are they going to write Octopussy and keep that in the title of the song? It's just not going to work. So I, I appreciate the fact that they went and said, yeah, fuck it. We're not going to be able to do it this time. It's just, it, let's just write, just get a song. Probably could have got a better song, but they did find it. But it did inspire Kenny G to take up music, I think, with their <laughs> opening. Yeah. And they should have used Tom Jones for that one because that dude could have worked Octopussy into a song. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, no kidding. Tom Jones could. Yes. What's up, Octopussy? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Speaking of Tom Jones, Dark Horizons has him at the next, uh, at number 15 with Thunderball, uh, which was obviously from the Thunderball movie, uh, released in 1965. I couldn't find any chart information from this, but this was written by John Barry and Don Black, who wrote a lot of the songs back in the 60s and 70s. And this one goes to Sancho. Where do you have this one, Sancho? Uh, not the best Bond song ever, but... For crying out loud, it's Tom Jones. So I had to figure out where to fit him in my top ten. So I went with seven. Seven? Wow. That's that's a little high. <laughs> Shut up, you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to uh, comment. Pancho, where do you have it? <laughs> Prepare yourself. <laughs> I've got it at number five. <laughs> holy, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> I think Tom Jones. I, I've I've had an album of these uh, of of Bond movie themes for a number of years, and you put that bad boy on, it holds up. It's a good song, and Tom Jones kicks it. Yeah, apparently passed out when he was actually singing the song. So no kidding, Jay. <laughs> I, I know you're going to get your ass beat by these two, but where did you put Thunderball? <laughs> I got a 13. Um, you know, I respect Tom Jones, um, and I think he did a, a yeoman-like work with the material that he was given. But, uh, you know, it is it is what it is. It's just middle of the pack. If you like big band, you might like the song, but, you know, I'm not a big, big band uh, fan. So there you go, 13. Yeah, I'm going to piss off Pancho and Sancho, too. I have it at number 20. Yeah, it's... I'm, I can't even say that I'm a big Tom Jones fan, but I, I don't find it. It was one of the iconic James Bond themes, and I like the orchestration, kind of the big band sound of it. It really kind of puts a date to the material, but I, it's one, once again, Thunderball just doesn't really work into its way, way into the song. I think they could have done better by just making an original song that didn't necessarily have to use the title of the film. And I think Tom Jones did a fine job with it. I just I don't like the lyrics of the song, so I put it down there at number 20. Uh, next on Dark Horizons, For Your Eyes Only by Sheena Easton from For Your Eyes Only. This came out in 1981, written by Bill Conte and Mick Leeson. Uh, number four on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and number eight on the U.K. Singles Chart. Are uh, you kidding me? Number four on the Billboard charts here? Yes, number four. It was a big oh. hit. I remember that. It was it was everywhere during the summer of uh, 1981. I remember that song being on all the time. So, Poncho, where do you have this at? I've got it at 14, and it is true that it charted, and that says a lot about what the summer of 1981 was like, which was a horrible, horrible place. It's a it's an okay song. I I do remember it, and it was Sheena Easton, and really she could do no wrong in my eyes as long as she showed up in the video. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's definitely bottom third. Uh, Jay, where do you have it? Man, it is number twenty two. It is a horrible song. Horrible. It's boring. It's just 
Muzak. It's what you expect to listen to an elevator or going in your dentist office. It is just an awful, awful, awful song. Awful. Uh, so are you? So you're saying you don't like it? Is what you're trying to tell me? Awful. <laughs> Sancho, where do you have it? Yeah, I put it at twenty. I'm, I'm, I'm with the awful, and I was ready to claw my eyes out. I put it on again, and I was like, just captivated by Sheena Easton. But uh, did you I, see the video? Have you seen the video? <laughs> and again, Sheena Easton was the only uh, talent, I guess, to ever appear in one of the videos. A little bit of trivia there for you, but yeah, it's it's number twenty. It's it's no bueno. Yeah, she's the only one who appeared in the opening credits because she's the the music video and the opening credits are the same thing. That's they they made the movies yes. cheap back then. So, uh, you guys are gonna get pissed. I have it at number six. So <laughs> I I you no. know <laughs> <laughs> I oh. I don't have a problem with this song. This is it comes from the James Bond era that I grew up in. Um, I was nine when the film came out. This was always on uh, the HBO loop the film. So and it. It's it's in the opening credits. It's in the closing credits. It's it's everywhere, and I you know it doesn't bother me. I, you know I can I understand what people say. Hey, I don't like that version of it. I remember when we reviewed it last year on uh, lunchtime movie review, and everyone hated the song. It doesn't bother me. That one I actually like. I think it's in my top. Oh, I don't think it's in my top ten. I have it at number six. So if HBO would have kept playing this song when we had HBO, I would have asked my parents to cancel cable. <laughs> In gay news, Patrick listen at six. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it from Mister Adele number five. Okay, that's what. Just because you're into hefty women, that's all. I don't want. I like them big. Like them plump there. All right, number thirteen. I know this one's going to spur some discussion. Just in my conversations with Jay. Uh, you know my name from Chris Cornell, uh, by Chris Cornell from Casino Royale, uh, written by Chris Cornell and David Arnold, who actually did the soundtrack, the orchestration, released on November thirteenth, two thousand six, number seventy nine on the U.S. Billboard Hot one hundred and number seven on the U.K. Singles Chart. Jay, it's your turn up, and I know that you like this song. I like this song. Um, I got it as number one. Oh, a number one finally appears. All right. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? When I was uh, going through this list in class and ranking them, um, I was thinking, uh, you know, is it a good standalone song? Would I put it on my iPod? Would I listen to it on the radio if it came on? And I got to say, uh, Chris Cornell, this, uh, you know my name, it's in my playlist on my iPod and my iPhone. It's a good song. Um, it's a good standalone song. Uh, I actively seek it out um, when I'm in the mood to listen to it. It helps that, you know, I'm a big Chris Cornell fan, Soundgarden. Uh, really liking the, the 90s grunge music, so maybe that's why I'm a little biased towards it. But um, I think it's the best uh, Bond song. Sancho. I'm speechless. Um, <laughs> I put it at number 10. I'll agree with uh, Jay on some of the points. I mean, yeah, it is a good tune. It, it kind of personifies the new kind of Bond. This is Daniel Craig Bond, right? Yes. Correct. This is the first yeah. one. Yeah, it's hip. It's a it's a good tune. It does stand alone. I definitely agree with Jay, but I don't think it captures the James Bond uh, natural fibers suit, smoking cigarettes, playing baccarat, you know, kick ass swagger James Bond. I think it's a it's a pretty good rocking tune, but I don't think it, it it's a classic like the other ones. Poncho, 
Uh, I'm going to kind of go between the two of these guys, and I had it at number eight. I think it is a really good song, just on its own. And I also have it on my uh, on my playlist of just stuff that I listen to. The other thing I like about it is that it it set the pace, it set the tone for the new uh, for the new Bond with Daniel Craig, and it kept a lot of the good elements that David Arnold has managed to keep from the John Barry work. But it also, you know, unlike Cheryl Crow. Chris Cornell could just hang with it, and he could do his own thing and not be intimidated by it. He just kind of took it, ran with it. So it's a it's a very good song. But I also agree with Sancho that it's not really a Bond song. You know, I mean, it works great for this for recasting the thing, but but it's not iconic in the same sense as what I think the the number one would be. Um, I'm I'm gonna have to agree with Poncho on most of his points there. I have it actually number four. It's one of my favorite Bond songs. <laughs> Um, interesting trivia it was the right after I got an iPod it was the first song I ever downloaded off iTunes the first 99 cents they collected from me and actually is the most listened to song on my iPod and my <laughs> just because of that I guess I agree with Poncho I think it helped define this is a new generation of Bond films with Daniel Craig it really kind of set a tempo much more action oriented tempo kind of a rock edge to it I think they tried to continue that with uh Another way to die with the and Quantum of Solace, but besides that, I think it's just a good song. It's obviously a song has the element of hey, I'm not going to try to squeeze in Casino Royale here. We're just going to write a good song and put it out there, and that's what I like in a lot of the of the Bond songs that um, that I think are are classics and some of my favorite ones, the ones I like to listen to a lot. So, uh, number twelve on Dark Horizons is World Is Not Enough by. Garbage, uh, released from the film The World Is Not Enough, came out in on October 4th, 1999, uh, written by David Arnold and Don Black, at, hit UK singles chart and number 11, apparently did not chart in the United States. Sancho, this is yours. I like this song, and I think uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's just a good tune. And then also because I think Shirley Manson from Garbage who's a naughty, naughty girl. She (laughs) did a very good job, I think, of bridging rock and roll, which she sings, into the kind of James Bond vibe. I think she stepped up a couple notches and really delivered, made it kind of, uh, made it uh, her own, but also very much along with the Bond thing. So I put it at eight. Pancho, where do you got it at? I gave it a nine. I concur with what Sancho was just saying about uh, Shirley Manson in that, you know, unlike a lot of the folks on this list of people where they, they were pitched a, uh, a Bond song and then they, they weren't really able to handle the key or whatever. Shirley does a great job of kind of keeping it her own style, but she also, you don't sit there thinking, uh, this was done obviously late 90s, this is a grunge thing. It comes across as fully in keeping with the Bond sound. And David Arnold did a really good job with that, with sort of the low-tuned uh, guitar type thing that is very iconic Bond so I just I, I like it and it's a using that test we were talking about before the iPod test I've had this on on my music player for a long time and I, I just like the song Jay you know I'm gonna uh, echo a lot of you guys what you guys have said um, I got this as number three on my list whoa um, I know I you know what I'm a I'm a sucker for Shirley Manson myself something no. about Scottish redheaded girls uh, no, I mean I, I like garbage, and I think um, I think 
Yes, you do like garbage. That is for sure. <laughs> but no, I think they did a pretty good job of incorporating the garbage sound, um, and especially Shirley Manson's voice, into um, a decent Bond song. Um, and uh, I think Shirley Manson's voice, the, the, the dark, sultry voice, plays really, really well with a James Bond song. So that's why I have it at number three. I like the song. I liked, actually even like that movie. I have it at number 11, so it's in my top half. Um, it's, it just didn't crack, crack into the top 10. I liked Garbage at the time. I, 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 this seemed to be a little bit distant from them. It seemed, they seemed to abandon their sound a little bit. That, because of that, I, I, I kind of they didn't seem to own the song. They seemed to be singing someone else's song, which is essentially they are. So that's why I put it down as uh, number 11. And also, once again... Squeezing the title of the world is not enough into the fucking song. Just that's an annoying thing to me that just bothers me about a lot of the the Bond themes. Yeah, um, but at least world is not enough. It's it actually fits in a type of song, not more so than some like from Russia with Love or something like that. For, Her Majesty's Secret Song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> from from Russia with Love works better than World Is Not Enough. You know, uh, I don't like that song, but I I think they can work that into the, the song a little bit better. All right, that's where we're going to end part one of our two-part James Bond theme podcast review. Uh, join us next month as we pick up from number 11 and count down the remaining James Bond themes. Thanks once again for joining us and listening to our little podcast. If you had a good time, the fun doesn't have to stop here. You can follow us on Facebook at Lunchtime Movie Review or on Twitter at Lunchtime Movie. On either Facebook or Twitter, you can keep up on information on upcoming podcasts on either Movie House Memories, Lunchtime Movie Review, or Mail Bonding. Additionally, if you've enjoyed yourselves and you download us off iTunes, make sure to rate our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher if that's the format you use. And if you have a chance, write a short review of the podcast. Of course, we always like the reviews that are positive, but we appreciate any feedback that we get from the fans of the show. Well, that is it for this episode of LTMR Hindsight. Join us next time when we finish off the remaining James Bond themes and we work our way to number one. Uh, Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Jay. Sancho. Sancho. And we gotta get out of here right now and you guys are invited. podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only the theme music for lunchtime movie review fireworks is provided courtesy of alexander nakaranda at serpentsoundstudios.com under a creative commons attribution 4.0 license all original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the mhn podcast network lunchtime movie review and fuzzy bunny slippers entertainment llc unless otherwise noted